What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. All right, Brandon, we are back. I'm back in the lair. I'm back in the lab, so to speak. We have intro music. We have outro music. We have <laughs> clapping. We have cheering. We have all the magic that podcasting can bring. All because I'm back in the studio. It feels good to be home. Liverpool was amazing, uh, but there's no place like home, as they say. How's it been for you? Uh, and actually, I, I should apologize first and foremost. Last week I said, all right, guys, back to our normal scheduled <laughs> Wednesday show and look at us back on a Thursday. Uh, so sorry, uh, faithful listeners, but uh, how's everything going for you, Brandon? That was literally what I was just about to start busting your balls over was like, hey, you remember how we promised everybody it was back and I tweeted all that out? That was fun. Uh, yeah. dude, I you saw shared... you holding back. I saw you. Like... <laughs> I was like, ah, whatever. You shared a very useful tip, though, because when we were kind of shooting the breeze before we started here. Producer Shay asked you, are you jet lag? And you said, no, not really. And I think for anybody that travels, because like, dude, I used to live overseas. I haven't even heard of this one. And I found it interesting. What's your what's your tip? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, if you travel overseas with like, I would say six, six or more hours of, of a time zone difference, just fast. So don't eat anything. Get your stomach system. Um it's it's like a reset for your stomach and your your whole body so yeah just fast and i fasted um as soon as i woke up fasted didn't eat anything until uh this morning and i'm back back to my old self back to my time zone and this uh, is the way we yeah. bowel so uh so uh yeah so little um uh, tip for all you travelers out there um just fast that's it See- I used to match up like my sleeping schedule wherever I landed. I would try to make it match the time of the day, right? Like when you would properly wake up. And I, I was good at that. But the fasting I haven't tried. So good, nice little useful tip there, man. I think that's uh, I think that's one somebody will thank you later on because jet lag yeah, yeah. sucks. I don't know where I, I heard of it either. Uh, somebody had told me, but it was a game changer for me. Um, and I didn't – the biggest test was when I went to Australia because Australia is literally like a full yeah. day difference right yeah um worse flight at the time i took that flight it was houston to sydney direct it was the longest flight in the world um <laughs> it's beaten out now i forgot who beat it out but it was never again but um yeah when <laughs> i did it on that flight and it worked and like within the day i was back to my to my schedule so um yeah the way we travel podcast i like by, it uh, man brought to you by expedia we're not just soccer we're giving you life tips as well so i appreciate that <laughs> no kidding uh but all right, Brandon, let's talk Dynamo. A lot has been happening. Um, where do you want to start off this week's episode? I think we have to probably first start off with preseason, right? Uh, lot, they've kind of wrapped up their final games down there in Mexico. At this point, we can look at it two ways. We can say, what's kind of the bigger headline here? Is it the fact that we are kind of injured overall, especially that starting lineup and its key injuries? Or would you say the bigger headline is Sebas has been scoring in every single one of those matches, man. So in this case, which one are you more focused on? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a tweet uh, today and I'm going to have to give him credit. I'm looking at my at my Twitter here. Uh, Foxtrot actually tweeted this. Foxtrot tweeted. Um, and I was actually thinking about this as well. Is this just propaganda by the front office to get <laughs> us off their back? Or is Sebas really a new guy after, after what all transpired last season. I think it's way too soon to say like a new guy, but the fact that he's putting goals in has to be promising, right? It could be playing it up a little bit. I'd understand why the front office would do it. I mean, hell, if I was in that meeting, I would say, let's do that as well, you know, going forward. But at the same time, he still has to score the goals and he has. So I I feel like there has to be some optimism in that. There's definitely optimism. And like one of the goals was a tap in, but to yeah. be at the right place at the right time, like I'm not going to discredit him for that. Um, and I mean, a striker, it's like a, a kicker in football in, in American football. Like once you start scoring, once you start feeling it, a lot of it is mental. And um, the fact that he's scoring in preseason against Mexican teams, granted it wasn't the first, it wasn't the starting yeah. team. I know Chivas had a, a game the night before, um, but it's still scoring. It's still getting him, getting him mentally uh mentally ready so i don't i mean it to me call me crazy sebas is the bigger deal sebas sebas scoring goals and becoming that player we thought he was going to be breaking our transfer record that fixes a lot of problems that we have and Adeta's coming back sometime um 
who's the other? There was another major injury that that just hit. Kiones, that one, oof, that I don't know how serious that that injury is. It looked bad, and the fact that nobody was around him when he fell, those those aren't good. But um, but I mean, look, you have Tate Schmidt coming back, so um, you know, you lose one, you get one back. Again, Seba scoring once Areda's back, that fixes a huge <laughs> issue for us. So I, to me, Sebas is the bigger bigger story coming out of this preseason. I think Seba scoring goals gives me hope. And and you're right. He also scored goals when he had Darwin Quintero feeding him the ball, you know? So, like, this is amazing. If he can start to put the ball into the net with this core and then with Ache Ache coming back, you're exactly right. That makes us elite for this upcoming season. To me, though, I focus on the injuries. I think this is where we are asking a lot of, from a lot of players here because – Brooklyn Reigns, he's going to start seeing the pitch a little bit more. That's coming out from camp a lot here and also from Ben himself. We're going to see Coco here. Does Coco, his natural position is to play in Ache Ache's position and style. But I don't think that's going to be very good to put him there since Hector's not going to be out that long. He's coming back basically like March, April, right? So and the season starts February 24th. So he's out, let's say, five games, right? I don't think it's going to benefit putting Coco into his slot. We need to keep developing him out on that wing there. And it may not be sexy or whatever. I think Jans can slide in for that. The injuries we're asking a lot. Aliu, can he play on the wing? Is that going to benefit him? Is he going to be able to be Keone's? There's a lot to ask right now, and I- I'm worried about that. But do we have to really develop Coco on the wing? I mean, I don't think he's going to be here past this next transfer role. I would rather put Seba there have him develop at that position and have Coco fill in for Hereda. Have Coco just be the band-aid because I don't think we're going to have Coco a year from now. We said that last year, um, <laughs> but I think we're after seeing what he did in the playoffs, I truly believe Pat is pushing to get him out of here. I unfortunately, I think we're not going to get what we initially thought we'd be able to get for him. I think next transfer window we're going to get a lot less. I think they're just going to try to get rid of him. Um, I, I saw there was a tweet about him going to Boca Juniors, I want to say, somewhere in Argentina. Yeah. Um, but I would just use him as a Band-Aid. Let him cover Ereta for the time being. He's above average and develop our future, which is Seb, Seba, um, <laughs> in that in that Coco position. Have him get acclimated with, with Sebas. That's going to be a pain in the ass. We're going to have to figure out the Polish name, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, I would, I would do that. Um, I mean, look, I, and again, for, for me, Sebas finding his groove is a bigger story because like you said, Aleu can go to the wing, which maybe that helps um, fill in for, for Quinones. He's fast like Quinones. Um, And uh, yeah, I just think for that, Sebas coming back, uh, it's going to be the bigger issue for us long, long term. The part where I can talk myself into your philosophy there is if we do play Coco in that position and it is intended to sell him, then yes, let's put him in the position where he's best at so we can drive up the value. If we can get cold cut Panama Coco in that position for while Ache Ache is out, yeah, I, we, we can soar that price tag. If that's how they want to sell it to me, I'm in for that. But at the same time, man, we keep preaching, and I, I more than anything, I want good MLS players. Coco is a very good MLS player. I would like to keep him around. He's still very young. And in reality, he's not going to cost us any DP slots. He's just going to cost us more money. I, I'm here for it if we can keep him, to be honest with you. I'm starting to change the other way now and say, like, I, I don't want to bank on selling him. Because once we do, then we have to fill that void. I would rather keep him a around for at least two, three more years or keep them around at least until we're done with this cup run with Hector. I think the tricky part to that though, is I think Coco is done with this dynamo thing. I think he's ready That's because fair. of his age. I think he's ready to get out of here. So um, uh, not to say that he's not motivated, but I'd rather have someone who's going to be there long-term because I think first chance this guy gets, he's out of here. But speaking of players replacing other players, <laughs> what do you think about Tate Schmidt coming back into the starting lineup? From what we're hearing, a lot of good thing. A lot of good things are coming from him. We've seen some of it with these very, very um, quick glimpses of these uh, of these non non uh, attended scrimmages. What would you think about Tate Schmidt um, coming in back into uh, the starting eleven? So 
I love Tate Schmidt. I love how he scored our first goal. Like, I mean, that guy was, he's absolutely a legend. And in this case, the one thing, if we slot Schmidt back in, it does give us more versatility with Dorsey. A lot of people forget that when he was with Toronto and with us, when he first came up, he did play the wing. Is that his natural position? Not necessarily, but the way in the form he's going, it gives us more options. So I wouldn't mind if we drop Tate Schmidt in that way and, and the right back position and bump Dorsey up to me. I, I can talk myself into that. And especially with our, how defensive we are, it's interesting. I love Tate Schmidt. Like he is somebody that I'm excited to have back. I think the bigger threat for, for anybody on the pitch, it's Escobar. Escobar is an extremely good player, a heartbeat of this team. But if somebody is going to lose their position, it's probably going to be him. I just, uh, you know, last week I talked about our defense being the, the showcase of this squad. I don't, I personally don't want to touch anything from last year. As far as that back line, I would keep it the same and I would bring in Tate as like a super sub kind of thing. We we talked about the last game of the season, how, you know, Columbus would make changes and it's like, okay, you'd get a little nervous. You'd, you know, get up on your seat, straighten your back a little bit. You're like, okay, wait a second. This guy can score. This guy's a difference maker. I feel like Tate Schmidt could be that for us. We didn't have that last year. Alayu coming into the game, were you really thinking that he's going to change the game for us? I mean, we had some hope with with Thornrose, but we didn't have that one guy that was like, okay, he's going to come in and change the game. I feel like Tate Schmidt could be that guy for us. Um, I just, I don't, like you said, I think Escobar, he's kind of like Ache Ache, where he is like that heartbeat of that back line, like just his his tenacity charges the guys up, I think. Um, you know, I always go back to, Tate Schmidt when he got checked when he when he got hurt I don't know if you recall but you know he he gets thrown to the floor and no one really came to his defense I think the way this team gelled I don't think if you replay that moment I don't think that that slides I think Franco Escobar is going to be the first guy there you know uh, uh, getting into into scraps with somebody so I wouldn't change that back line and I would bring in uh, Schmidt uh, Tate Schmidt as a as a super sub so to speak See, I kind of would like that fire from Escobar to be that super sub, to come into that second half if we're either tied or down and light that fire with just getting in people's faces, the opponents, etc. And then you could also move Dorsey to the wing and sub off like a winger and then drop Escobar into his position. I, to me, he's more exciting to come off because I like the idea of what Dorsey and Schmidt could do on both sides of this of, of the pitch here. I think that's the one thing that Escobar wasn't as good at in terms of attacking. Like he never really had crosses into the box that are memorable. And I, and Schmidt can do that. So that's where I, I would be excited for it. You and I are big Liverpool people. I think we mentioned that every pod. Uh, but in this case, to me, they could be a very MLS version of Andy Robinson and TAA on the other side. So like, I, I, that's exciting to me. That's my kind of style there from what your right back and left back should be. I mean, I think you do have, you, you you do have a point about Franco coming in second half and getting in people's faces if he, if he were to be a sub. I think the problem is it's going to be Ben Olsen's face that he's getting into <laughs> if he gets if he gets benched uh, for the majority of the season. So um, that's fair. I mean that's uh that's it's a good problem to have though, right? I'd rather be in this predicament where we don't know who should start because everyone's playing really well as opposed to um, what we what we've been used to in years past. No, you're exactly right. Like our defensive depth, every time I keep kind of looking at it, I mean, we haven't even gotten to Bartlow and everything like back there. And it's just, it's so reassuring knowing that if we pick up a knock in our back line, it's going to hurt and sting, but it's definitely not an Achilles heel. The midfield now is adding in a little bit more depth. I, I think we're asking a lot from Brooklyn Reigns. That, that's the one thing that I'm a little bit worried about. Do, do you think he can actually take that next step? Like, I think the logical answer is to say yes, but... I don't know, man. Is he good enough? He's great for Dino Dose, but that's it's a big leap. What concerns me is that I feel like if he was ready, we would have saw more of him last year. Yeah. Um, at least in like the CONCACAF, Conca um, whatever it's called. Um, and we didn't really see much of him. And you know what's also concerning is that everything we're hearing right now from the front office, we heard that last year. Like they preached over and over about bringing in youth, bringing in uh, younger guys, having, and I think they mentioned Brooklyn Reigns by name about him coming in. And then next thing you know, he doesn't really get much playing time. And then the last rumor I heard about him was that he was thinking of leaving. 
Dyna, Dyna Dose or Dynamo. So um, I'm a little concerned about him, about our whole system, uh, because we're really, same story, we're really, we're really not seeing much out of it. Um, again, it's like fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice kind of deal. <laughs> I, I'm not going to believe Brooklyn Reigns is going to be uh, that important of a factor until we actually see him playing in the first team. So they, one of the things that I was reading about preseason is that he's actually been playing Ache Ache's role on this team. They haven't really been dropping Coco to that part. It's been Brooklyn. Granted, it's preseason, so yeah, why wouldn't you just see what he's got? I, I get that aspect of it. But that is interesting that they would at least view him to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, like he's been really impressive to me. The the little that we d- we did see of him, like last year in the Open Cup, last not last year but the year before that Open Cup. Um, but it's like you said. I mean, we haven't been playing the the strongest squads either in Mexico. So I think now is the time because you know you can plug Coco in, and if you get Panama Coco, you know you're in <laughs> in a great situation. So um, I'm not I'm not too surprised to hear that. I guess. So let me put you on the spot then. With everything, our injuries kind of talking about the shape of this team if with all everything going on right now what is your february 24th lineup that you are trotting out there you know honestly where i struggle is quinones because that speed is no one can replicate that on this on this current squad so i would pretty much stick to what we had last year with the exception being um i would put coco where Achiach is, I would put Seba where Coco normally is, and I'm just I'm lost with with Quinones. I don't I don't know what to do there, just because you can't replicate that speed. And that was, if you saw, um, I mean, was it? Uh, I think Real, Real Salt Lake did a decent job of of, of maintaining him a little bit. But yeah. um, if if we can have someone that can that can replicate that, I just don't know who. I- all the indications are that it'll be Aliu out there. My only concern with that is then who's the striker that comes in to replace anybody? Because we don't have Thor anymore, and I, I don't. We don't have Baird, so that that's a little bit of call for concern. I think our back line is still set. I agree with you that I, I Escobar is going to get the start. I think Tate Schmidt will come on. I wouldn't be opposed to Tate Schmidt starting, and then uh, I, it's going to be Sachinko, Mikael, Dorsey. And then our midfield is going to be probably Coco. The, I, I, maybe Jans gets the start in there, but it's going to be Coco, Bossy, Artur. And then up top, you have Seba scoring goals. And then I agree with you. I think Seba plays on the wing. And then I think Ali is the other wing. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I'm, it's... <laughs> We're, it seems like we're depleted. We need we need some signings, at least like you said on the forward spot. Because if if Sebas is out, and you have Aleu on on the wing, we're SOL. Um, yeah. So it's it's a very very difficult situation to be in. Um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because a, a a part of like our depth and and bringing in guys from Dynados that's has a lot to do with, or that's my ball in ball out segment. So I'm going to save that for later. Um, but what did you have? Uh, what did you have for us to talk about from here? So, kind of just diving into looking up what's going to be moving on here. As uh, we'll look at the Concacaf draw. That's the other thing that was big news that came out. Sorry, I was trying to make sure I got to my show notes. Uh, Shay's been sending me some things. But for our Concacaf draw here, it's it's a tough first round opponent in St. Louis. But I think. You and I have been pretty much in agreement on St. Louis. I They were a good team last year, but I don't think they're a great team. And I honestly don't think they're going to replicate what they did last year, this upcoming year. I think they're going to take a step back, that kind of sophomore slump, have you? I just think last year was a dream start for that franchise, but I don't see them as a threat. So I think we'll move on. And then I believe our second round is against Columbus. That's is a uh, that's a mountain to climb on that one yeah um i agree with you st louis uh wasn't wasn't too scary i feel like now we know their system we know how they play um the columbus match honestly for me it's one of those things that i just i hope the way the schedule falls uh it's going to end up in our favor i think i think the scheduling is going to be a huge um factor in whether we even Mm -hmm. make that game competitive 
Um, and I, I don't even want to say beat them. I just want to even, I just want to be competitive with Columbus. Um, you know, we, we talked about earlier, we mentioned about their depth and their bench. That's, that's our heel. We don't have any depth. So, um, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully if Hector's back by then, and he should be, I I think the only big injury with NBK on don't get me wrong, that, that is a big injury, but we do have depth. I mean, you, you got to look at. Our, we just mentioned our defense, great. Our midfield does have depth to it with Ache Ache back because then you do have Jans Gregus off the bench there. That guy's awesome. Like, I have big hopes for him. Brooklyn, I, if he is taking that next step, that will also be a solid thing to look at. And then you would also have Seba as well to, to bring off. So three, two and a half, let's put it nicely, is 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 a good option. The only thing that we are both in agreement on is is striker. That's where we're just a little bit thin. But other than that, I, I like our chances here to make a run. Well, that's what I'm alluding to when I when I say depth is just, I mean basically the striker position. Um, yeah. And I, I hope uh, I hope Sebas is going to come in fit because he's going to get a lot of of playing time. <laughs> it seems like. Um, well, okay. So then, kind of playing on that, who else besides? Seba, because I think that's the obvious answer. Besides Seba, who's got the most pressure on them for this upcoming matches? Huh. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say Coco. Coco's trying to get out of here. We're trying to get rid of him. He uh, he didn't do himself any favors during the playoffs. Um, we keep talking about Panama Coco. Panama Coco, well, when is he coming back? Um, I would say I would say Coco, both for us and and for him personally. He's he's trying to get out of here. He wants to take that next step in his career. Um, I don't think I don't think he's getting out of MLS if he just replicates what he did last year. I I think that's also a very easy option as well because you're right. Coco does have a lot to prove, especially after he just crapped the bed in the playoffs. But to me, I think the more interesting look is is between three guys: Kate Schmidt. Seba, and then also Aliyu. Those three have a lot to prove. Tate less than the other two. Tate's coming back from a horrific injury, and so he'll, he'll take a moment to recover. But the reason why I throw Seba and Aliyu into this is because if they don't perform, what are they doing here? You know, like that's a waste of a roster spot. I know Aliyu being U22 initiative, like it, he's got room to grow, but if he doesn't do anything on the wing here either, and he can't score goals... Now our striker position is in crisis mode, especially if Sebas can't score. So I, I think Aliyu has to show that he is a viable option, and Seba as well. Otherwise, those two in the upcoming transfer window need to be gone, and we need to replace that. I mean, with that logic, it sounds like Pat has a lot of pressure then. If his, <laughs> if his two U22 guys don't cut it, do you think Pat has a lot of pressure under him with... Uh, with uh, Daddy Ted? You know, I think the injury to Ache Ache is going to buy him an excuse for whatever the duration is. Like, if we come out and lose these first opening matches, he they can easily bury it under that. Well, we're hurt. No Keones, no heartbeat of, you know, our captain. And, and everybody would understand. But I'm with you. I think if Pat doesn't have... If, if Seba and Sebas and Aliyu, if they all come out flat and you didn't sell Coco and you let Baird walk, then it's kind of one of those things where us as a franchise need to like look at him and us as fans and say, like, what are you doing? Because all we did was sign Dynamo Dose players. Yeah, and I mean, they went the route to bring in the three or the three U22 guys rather than the, the two big DP guys. So my whole thing is that if you're going to go that route, you really have to be confident in your scouting. And I, you know, before we we started recording these conversations. I went in hard on the fact that he used YouTube to scout a player. Um, but if I'm Ted, I'm like, well, okay. Hereda's hurt. Yeah. But any, any dummy could have came in here and said, Hey, sign Hereda. He's the EPL guy. So I brought you here to scout, to scout talent, to bring up talent. And you haven't done that. So the playoff push bought him some time Areta's injury Kenyona's injury is going to buy him some time but if if 
those guys don't really do much. I think you have to put a lot of Pat, uh, a lot, a lot of pressure under Pat by the end of the season. Um, <clears throat> I don't know Ted's style. I don't know if he's a if, if he's a patient owner, but um, <laughs> if if I'm him, I, I I'm definitely looking at at our well, front he's, office. He's already fired one coach real quickly, so uh, I I don't know how patient he is, and I think he expects a lot. I think the other thing that you can lump into is is Ben. Ben is going to be under pressure as well because I, I'm trying to look up here how he's done after following a successful season. Because at DC United, I think he only had like four winning seasons or something like that, right? And so I'm trying to see what did he do after a good winning season. I think that's going to be telling as well. I, I've drank in the Kool-Aid a lot more on Benny Ball. And if we come out hot and we continue to stay elite, I'll be all in. And, and honestly, Ben can bail Pat out in a lot of ways. If he can get a lot out of this team, then Pat sure. gets to stick around. And, and I understand that, but there will be, we, we, the one thing that I'm worried about is allowing injuries becoming a big excuse to delaying things that we should do in terms of what I mean by that is exactly kind of what we alluded to. If everybody comes out flat, we need to look at Pat. And not only that, if our players like our U22 players come out flat, we need to look at immediately getting them out and getting new talent in. It may sound drastic, but the only reason why I say that is because we've alluded to it a lot. This Ache Ache window is pretty small in terms of a long-term project here. We have to strike quickly. No, yep, you're you're exactly right. And um, again, when we when we brought in Pat, he really emphasized um, fixing our youth system. And, and I mentioned before, they made some moves that I, I agree with, that I wholeheartedly agree with, but... Um, it really hasn't transpired to our first team. I think two years is more than enough time to get more than a few games from a Brooklyn Reigns or um, losing out on some other players taken off. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, the biggest pressure is on Pat. But if to your specific question, I, w- I would have to I would have to go Coco on that subject. All right. Well, then let's talk about a little bit of positivity. We'll flip that on this on the head here. Then who's a who's a player that you think is going to surprise us this season? Uh, I think the easy answer is going to be um, Tate Schmidt, right? Um, just from what we've been hearing. Um, but I think Seba. I think we're going to get some good out of Seba. I think Seba is going to be what we all thought Franco was going to be for Sebas. Um, because, uh, you know, we brought in his buddy from his, his homeland, and we thought there was going to be a good chemistry between the two, and we really didn't get that. But um, I'm excited to see what Seba can do um, taking over Coco's uh, spot. So my answer is depending. And what I mean by that is it's depending if Valdez, Xavier Valdez can get some time in goal. I think if he does, we're going to be very surprised at how this, I think what he's like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. How amazing this Dominican Republic goalie can be at a young age, which will then give us hope in the fact that like, Oh, if Steve Clark decides to hang it up next year or soon, we have the future behind him. And so for me, I think Valdez will be something that will catch a lot of people by surprise and then also give us kind of that reassuring hope. I mean, that's kind of cheating. I didn't know he was an option. I don't think he's going to get <laughs> much playing time. I, don't think, I mean, I don't think he's going to get much playing time, but uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for him big time. I mean, dude, you got to look at like, we, we have to play US Open Cup. We have to play league matches. We have to play CONCACAF. We have to also play... Uh, and uh, I've left out one tournament, I think. But anyway, we left out one other. That's a lot of games. I feel like he has to be able to play something somewhere. I know Tarbell's like the backup, and he might get a nod over that. It's just Valdez has been playing national team games. I'd like to see what he can do on our stage. I mean, I felt like he should he should have had some looks last year over Tarbell. Um, I agree. I don't, I, I just don't understand the, the mindset. Um, but I guess you leave that to the pros, but yeah, I, I am excited. I am excited for, uh, for Valdez. I think he's going to be like a legend when it's all said and done. I agree. I hope so too. I, I, for me, he's like, he's that player that whenever somebody gets drafted or something from college and you're just like, I think he's going to be so good. And you don't really have an answer as to why, but then Anytime they put up like 20 points, like you're sending out like a tweet to everybody. Being I like, told you. I told, told you, you. I told you. Exactly. Right. And like, and then it, they can go over, but that one game, maybe you're sending it to everyone. He's that guy for me. He's going to be the, I told you. 
I don't know if uh, we might have to like do some research, uh, but who's been the most successful Dominican soccer player? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. I could tell you for like baseball, I can do a whole list of that, but uh, soccer, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. And you think that there would be a higher like hotbed coming from, from those regions, but I know baseball is King, not to say soccer small, but baseball is, (laughs) is different there. Yeah. Baseball is a different monster over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny because well, uh, whenever I meet someone from the Dominican, I always like my go-to question is Pujols or A-Rod. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, 20 years from now, I can be like, hey, Valdez, huh? How about that guy? What you need to – so like whenever I like talk to one of the players from the DR, I always say, do you drive when you're down there? Because you'll get a laugh if you don't know anything about driving in the Dominican Republic. It's legitimately the Wild West. Like they have – essentially like drive through daiquiri spots, but like you can just get liquored up as much as you want. Nobody obeys like stop signs or stop lights. It's, you can watch like YouTube videos of it. And, and tragically, like I, sadly, this is going to take a dark turn, but there, there's an insane amount of deaths from MLB players and car crashes in the Dominican Republic. And so you talk about that with the player and they're just like, yeah, man, it's crazy poppy. And you're like, I know dude, <laughs> real when sports, I... I think did a thing on it. Well, one of my closest friends uh, moved out there uh, for work, and he was there for like a two-year work thing. And he would not shut up about buying a scooter and just scooting <laughs> to work every day because you know that was the life: living on the beach, taking a scooter like a, a Vespa, uh, basically. And um, I caught up with him last time he was in town. I was like, "Hey, dude, like, what happened to the Vespa?" He said, "As soon as he got into the DR, he took a taxi from." the airports wherever he was going to stay and he saw a dude knocked over with his vespa skull cut open and he was like yeah i'm, I'm not going to do that and yeah dude it, it, i i know exactly what you're talking about yeah it's a hard pass from uh from all that but uh let's move on man we'll we'll say goodbye to dynamo and let's head into one of our very popular and lovable segments balling around the globe uh, where we take a soccer story from somewhere around the world and uh, share it with our listeners. Cove, or Jamal, I'll start with you today. All in around the globe. Hey, there he is. I'll start <sighs> with you Our producer does do something, all right. Hey, about time we chimed in. Um, hit me with something. What's your story today? Oh, uh, man, we are going to... Oh, now you're pushing it, buddy. What is that? Give him us a cookie. He's going want some milk. Uh, we are going to North Kakalaki, AKA North Carolina, and we Ooh. are going to talk about Carolina core. Now I've tweeted about these guys because they're taking yeah. dynamo players nonstop. And this is why I did not want to get ahead of myself and talk about our Academy. Brandon, does it worry you that not only did they take the dynamo coaching staff, the Dynados coaching staff for the most part, but 90% of them, they're taking our players left and right, including Papa Ndoya, one of our star Dynamo Dose guys. Is it concerning to you about our program? Keep in mind, I have some colleagues that I used to work with when I worked in, in professional soccer. So I'm rooting for Carolina Core. And I love that I have this connection with Houston and Carolina Core FC. But now the Dynamo fan in me is like, wait a second, this is getting kind of scary. Brooklyn Reigns isn't getting much playing time. We're losing a bunch of our coaching staff. And we're losing a bunch of players that I was excited to see in a Dynamo uniform. Am I uh, jumping the gun about getting uh, a little bit worried here? I would I would say yes if it was just a player or two. But you're exactly right. Every time I kept seeing things of popping up where it was like another one of our guys, another one of our guys. And at some point, it's no longer coincidence. They're just taking that team because clearly the coaching staff that worked with them every day saw something there. So they're wanting to bring that, especially when you're starting a new job. You Most people want to start fresh. It's very rare that you want to bring with you things that like the only way you do that is if you're hitching your wagon to success. So I'm with you. I think that is a interesting story to watch and watch them develop. I'm going to be cheering with them as well because I mean, come on, man. Once a dynamo is a dynamo. But in this case, yeah, dude, it's it's a little bit worried. But if they ball out, I guess we can eventually sign them. So that's so that's the interesting part. And before I get into that, it's funny because I was going to retweet every Dynamo Dose player that went to Carolina Core, but <laughs> it was so many of them that I was like, dude, this is just going to look like a Carolina Core like yeah. podcast, right? So I <laughs> I didn't bother doing that because it was so many of them, every single player. But here's here's where it gets interesting. So MLS Next, the parent club has the rights to those players. Carolina Core is an independent club. 
is there a chance that there's a little like under the table deal with the coaching staff amongst one another? Like, Hey, if this guy, you know, for giving me this opportunity for bringing these players, if this guy does well, you'll get dibs on them. Do you think there's something like that working out? Cause I don't think uh, from what I understand, I don't think this coaching staff left on a bad note. It seems like they're all pretty cool with each other. Um, and you know, soccer is a, uh, I mean, look, this you could be a whole other back, episode. I'll scratch your back. Yeah. I mean, look, Asher was not getting jobs in MLS before Pat got here. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I like the guy, right. I, I'm not saying this to like talk bad about him, but Pat came in and he took care of some people that weren't really doing what they're currently doing now with the dynamo. So that's just to say, that's the kind of league it is. Okay. MLS is still a small league. Um, so with that being said, yeah. Is it a, you know, scratch my back. I'll scratch yours kind of thing. From the way we ball to the way we bribe, baby, we're, we're rebranding. Uh, no, I, I, of course, those kind of back deals can easily happen. And I, I think they happen more often than what we realize. I mean, look how often the NBA and NFL get in trouble for colluding, especially the NBA. So oh, I could Greg easily. Oh, excuse me. Huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Damn so allergies, man. No NBA the, finder. Those, we're going to have to scrub those that Those are Thank going you. around. But I, I'm with you on that. I think it's something to watch especially if they come back so that'll be an interesting aspect all right well let's hear uh your balling around the globe <laughs> so as always i start with questions but for this one you're gonna actually have to wait for the full story and then come up with your answer and i'm sure you already heard this story but my question to you is is this something you would fire someone over or is it just sadly human error right so for the balling around the globe we go two places at once we go america and we also take you all the way to england and of course i'm talking about duncan mcguire being <laughs> transferred to blackbird now if people don't know this story haven't been following it it is phenomenal so mcguire was initially first on a loan deal and then it turned into a full transfer for about four million to blackburn so the deal was all there mcguire jumps on a flight heading to England, and then in mid-flight, they find out that this whole thing breaks down. And the reason why is Blackburn thought they had clicked submit paperwork on the English Football League's transfer system before the deadline, but instead hit save. <laughs> so because of that, it didn't submit the paperwork on time, and the deal got canceled. So now McGuire's on his way back to Orlando, and they said they're working out a permanent deal in this next transfer window. So Jamal, my question to you at the beginning is this something that somebody should get their job fired for? I took an assessment for work and I got a call from my boss. I did not submit my assessment. I did submit my assessment. I was up till 3 a.m. doing this damn assessment. When I went back, I noticed that I clicked save, not submit. So <laughs> you're this guy. A duck calling a duck. I cannot say that's a fireable offense. Uh, it's happened to the best of us. Okay. And was it a Who? $4 million test though? <laughs> I mean, look, the English system, especially with these lower league clubs sounds very confusing. Um, there was a situation, not this transfer window, but the transfer window before that, where Wrexham had a player. They posted, his name was Armstrong. They posted a meme of the moon because they were getting Armstrong. And the mo next morning you're waking up and it's like, Hey, uh, we, sorry, we sent that meme out that nothing happened. Um, from what I've understood, and and I have a pretty good relationship with one of the uh, podcast guys out there in Wrexham. Uh, give him a shout out, Rob Ryan Red. Check it out if you want to look into that club. But um, I talked to him, and he said the English uh, trade and all that, the whole system is the most confusing thing, and it's not as it's not as simple as the American system, supposedly. So I could see a lot of you know getting lost in translation. And again, it's happened to me with Submit my submit and so. save. I think they were just looking for like an easy excuse out of it. I think it was it was bigger than just that. I'm just trying to give well, them the benefit of the doubt. But it's happened once before. It happened in like 2008 or something like that, according to the article. I'd have to kind of read through. So, But the fact that it has happened where somebody just clicked save instead of submit. I, I'm sorry. If we're talking about million-dollar deals here, you better be looking at everything you're punching in, everything that you're doing. I, I just think it's laziness. Like, and honestly, for me, that shows kind of the dictator of a person I would be. I, I, I would fire you. Like, you cost us a player. You cost us more than just $4 million that we were going to pay. If we slide it all on the table because we're not getting goals from this guy, I, yeah, your head's going to roll. 
I look forward to the next intro. What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal, and I'm Stalin. <laughs> and this is how you don't bleep up. I just, I'm sorry, man. Like, this, this, what, they both start with S? Like, get out of here. You didn't read through it? But look, isn't this, if you're, if you're Duncan, though, isn't this like a blessing in disguise? Are you going to want to work for an organization like that? That's like, I mean, yeah. let's just call it incompetent. Would you want to work for a, a club that's as that incompetent? Like, if you're Duncan, maybe it's a, it's a blessing in disguise. You get to develop a little more in, in Orlando and you'll be off to the UK next year. I think he probably wants his career to start soaring. I think your exposure in England is more so than what the club can necessarily offer you. If, if they're giving you the playing time, that's that's all you can legitimately ask. Well, look, if they're that, if the buffoonery is that real, why don't we uh, sell them cocoa, get what we think he's worth? I think that's the club who's going to take the bite if they're confusing save and submit. So, <laughs> in case you're wondering why cocoa yeah, doesn't work in professional soccer anymore, uh, by the way, <laughs> yeah. he didn't submit his uh, resume. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. Well, he's fired now. But uh, all right, let's move on to our new bad boy here, our, our famous and staple segment, Ball In, Ball Out. If you're for it, you're ball in. If you're against it, you're ball out. Ball In uh, or Ball Out. There it is. I love it. He's always on cue now. Now he's ready. I know, right now. That's someone who doesn't forget to click submit. <laughs> producer Shay really on the ones and twos. That's got a drop in volume there, buddy. Oh. I'm waiting on producer Shay to drop this volume. It's way too loud. Thank you there, producer Shay. Uh, this is very sensitive. Uh, you're very sensitive. All right. First uh, ball in, ball out for you. Brooklyn Reigns to play in over 15 league matches. Jamal, ball in, ball out. Ball out. Not because I'm against it. I just don't believe it's going to happen. You don't think he plays in at least 15 matches? I league don't. matches, I... I should say. Nope. Not going to happen. I'm going ball in, man. I think he's going to be serviceable enough. And on top of that, we need to show that the Youth Academy is going to develop. That is something that if if you look at all of our signings from this summer, it looks like we're loading that portion up. So him playing in 15 games to me is, especially with injuries, I, I could see him now playing in 15 games is different than starting in 15 games or playing a majority of the minutes. All you got to do is just come on the pitch, right? I think he can do that 15 times. So I'm ball in for that one. Uh, all right, let's look at the second one here. I think you're going to have a Brooklyn Reigns to Carolina Core FC graphic before you have Brooklyn Reigns playing in 15, 15? games. All right, I'll take you on that bet. Um, dude, I, I just, from everything that I'm hearing, it sounds like he's, we have so many games that eventually people are going to have to rest and I, I can see him slotting in. So it, it depends on how far we're running in other cups. If we get eliminated early, then, you know, that changes the game, but I think 15 matches, I can easily see that for him. All right, next one for you. Coco, under six goals in league play. Under six goals? Under. Uh, I would say ball in just because, like I said, I don't think he's going to be with us much longer. I think he's gone by the winner transfer market. So you don't think he can have six goals before December, January? I, I think he could if he was Panama Coco, but we haven't seen that guy in a long time. So I'm, yeah, I'm ball out. Look, I'm very pessimistic. Okay, I'm, I'm done. I had, a, hey, I had faith in this team with that playoff run. I'm back to being that bitter old man. <laughs> See, this is why I keep wanting to do these because I've been setting it at lines because I know eventually we're going to get to really crack and everybody's going to get to see. See how you really feel on the inside. Your colors are out. Exactly. They're bleeding. Uh, my thing is, I'm going to be under six goals. Damn. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be the optimism. It's not because I want to do good cop, bad cop. It's because I actually believe Coco playing in his proper position. And also, if Sebas can be scoring goals, Coco scored goals back with him before. I think they can reunite for it. I, I could see him being red hot driving to drive his value. That's the thing. Coco's, if he wants out, he's got to play his way out at this point. And so I think he has an ax to grind over six goals here for it. All right. My next one for you here. Then Jamal, a Liga MX team will win the league's cup this year. Last year was won by enter this year. We're going to flip it to the other league. You ball in or ball out for that. 
I'm ball out. I don't think the coaching staff or the players take this thing seriously. I think it's a nice vacation for them to get out, come to the U.S., especially those teams that are playing New York and the L.A. teams. I think the league, the league IMAX loves it because of the money that's coming in. I've told you this before. Mexican, The Mexican side loves it because they get the American TV money. Americans love it because they get the Mexican fan base watching. <laughs> Aside from that, players don't care for it. Coaching staff doesn't care for it. I'm ball out. They're more worried about their about their league. I am with you on this one. Ball out. Uh, main reason is I think the American teams have a bigger incentive from Apple. I don't think Apple wants a Liga MX team to win it because they don't have a deal with them. They do have a deal with the MLS and to promote again, Messi's run and all that stuff. That's good for them. And that's how you collect dollars. So I think they're going to have a bigger emphasis for all the American sides to really care about it. And I agree with you until these games are played anywhere else besides just all USA why would they care? This is a destination vacation for them. I don't think they're going to take it as seriously. Plus, it's in a weird spot in their season, right? Like, they're like three games in, and then suddenly you're doing this tournament for a month. So I understand why it's just awkward. That leads to another question. Do you think we're a few years away from Apple taking Liga MX? Yeah. I think I think the idea of them merging together is a strong play. I know a lot of people don't for some reason, don't like that idea, but I'm very much here for that because it will create a relegation system, but a sustaining relegation system in my eyes. So I, I think when you back it with Apple money, then it can build everything up. Obviously, Adidas would play into that. It's just kind of what you want to do for travel. <laughs> I mean, this could also be somewhat of a trial run for Apple to see how it would work having Liga MX teams. Um in their in their database so to speak so um yeah i think i think we're a few years away from from that happening i agree i think it will be happening sooner than people realize because their money is going to be speaking and they're going to probably put a lot behind it and especially on a run to the world cup like you just want to keep that momentum going so i i very much can see that happening that's a good idea all right our next one here this one's going to be personal now because now we're we're going to be either supporting or attacking the front office here the new campaign slogan Hustling for more. Ball in, ball out. I am ball out on this. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a TikTok of this clip and put it on our socials because this reminds me there was a clip of Mattress Mac suggestively <laughs> making a, a cup of lean, right? And this is what it feels like what's happening with this dynamo front office. Look, I'm the biggest Houston hip hop fan. I was all for it the first season it happened. Now it's becoming cheesy, it's becoming corny. For me, the straw that broke the camel's back was a Mike Jones goal song. I I'll, <laughs> I still hate that thing. But this is just it, hustling for more. It's a mouthful. No one talks like that. I know Houston was hustle town for a little bit, um, but no one's calling it hustle town anymore. Like it's just becoming too much. Like keep it plain, keep it simple. Uh, Michael Scott, keep, it, keep it simple, stupid, right? But it's just, it's too much now and it's getting cheesy. And I just, it's giving me like that, it's giving me that vibe of like, you know, the soccer mom trying to be cool. That's what I'm getting from this. So I am a hundred percent fall out on that. Them and Mattress Mac, they can both shove it. I'm I'm done with the with the pandering to the Houston crowd. The only time that Mike Jones song slapped was US Open Cup final when they played it in Fort Lauderdale and against Inter Miami and everybody watching was like are they meaning to play that? And then you find out it's supposed to be like a neutral site. That's the only time that song slapped. Otherwise, I'm with you. I'm so out on that. Uh, hustling for more. It's not even hustling. You got to drop the G in this case. I, our good friends over at Dynamo Faithful brought up a good point. Like it should forever be like forever orange or just keep it orange or whatever, right? Just keep it something with orange. Don't Don't mix it beyond that. I don't understand why it always has to be a new campaign slogan every year as well. That that always is kind of dumb to me. Baby. It is, but it, a lot of the times it's just to like slap on new magnets and stuff like that. I say that as I work in the front office. Uh, but like, yeah, and guess what? Our new slogan will be coming out soon. Uh, so like, I, I get why you do it, but hustling for more, that ain't it. And especially with the four, what, what is the four? Like, is it for, it, it's not cups. We only have two. Or is it how because many, we have two and two U.S. open? I don't know. I don't get it. It's how many people we have in the IR, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I changed the slogan that that one. I'm sure when the playoffs come around, we'll have a different one then, too, for some weird reason. You know, it's funny. It's like as a slap to us next year is going to be orange. You glad we didn't use hustle, <laughs> <laughs> but I would be here for that. At least I better. 
much better that I applaud. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's getting too much, man. And again, like I was all for it, but my whole thing is like, you have to be authentic. Like there has yeah. to be like, you know, taking it back to Liverpool or any, any EPL club, they all have that like random song. Like you'll never walk alone. That just was organic. It happened authentically. Yeah. Mike Jones didn't happen authentically. <laughs> like I was all for a Houston, like uh, uh, a hip hop song, like most city Don, every kid that grew up in Houston knows the lyrics to that. If that would have just happened organically, incredible. But this is just being forced on you. The hustling for more is being forced on you. Like, look what Atlanta United does. That all happened organically. And I use them as an example because they're heavily influenced by hip-hop. Everything they do, you know, they bring in rappers from Atlanta. Their goal song is a rap song. Like, everything is just hip-hop-based. But it ha- happened organically. This yeah. is like you're sh- you're just shoving it down our, our, our throat at this point. And the more you, you, the more you show it to us, you're just going to make us against it. So um, I'm all about, you know, like Liverpool scoring a goal is awesome. You don't have like that music blasting. You just let the crowd take over. Yes. And, um, you know, I hope we get to a point where we can do something like that because the worst part is they got the worst Houston rapper to make their, their song. Like no, when he made it, like nobody was respecting Mike Jones at that point. And I love Mike Jones. Right. But it's like, dude, oh. at least get like Toby. Yeah. Get like Toby <laughs> Nwigwi or like somebody that like, people kind of respect like when i hear mike jones i'm like oh god it's already been over a decade there's only so after goals i'm with you it needs to just be the roar of the crowd and us going nuts like that's music in itself when we walk out onto the pitch there's only two things i would genuinely accept for us singing one would be eb leading the song and letting the fans sing as they come out that to me is always goosebumps the other one should be want to be a baller we should be singing that as they come out. That is a fun song that everybody in Houston knows. Everybody sings. When Alex Bredman had that as his walk-up song, every time it got people singing the minute it was done. It was catchy and smart to do. I there, there's we, we keep picking things when it's just low-hanging fruit that we can immediately take that is already built into the culture. I'm with you on all that for sure. You know what I love about Want to Be a Baller? Whenever it comes on, everyone sings it. And then Young Stars verse comes out, and that's when everyone fades away. Yeah, like, just take it. That's always like what I say about like Sean Paul's songs back in the day. No one knows what that guy's rapping except for when he gets to the chorus of like "Just Give Me the Light," and then no one knows anything beyond that. <laughs> Same thing with Shaggy, all those kind of rappers. I got in trouble in high school because I had Sean Paul lyrics printed on my binder, and <laughs> our like assistant principal was reading it, and he was like, "Shake that ting, kana kana, shake that ting." <laughs> what is this? And yeah, I got in trouble for that. So I'd be like, shake it. Yeah. Uh, All right. Our last one here. And this one is an interesting aspect for me in terms. Now we're going to tie in world cup because we did get a lot of games released. We also saw that Houston is getting seven games to here. but my question to you ball in ball out USA playing all their group stage games on the West coast. Um, Selfishly, I would have to say ball out because I would love to see them play in Houston or somewhere closer to me. Um, but I guess I can see it. You make it simpler for the fan base. They can just stay in one area and not cover too much of the U.S. You can keep the U.S. fans all congregated in one area and, and watch the games there. So um, I, I guess ball in just to make it simple for fans. So to break down the construct of this, we play two games in L.A. and one in Seattle. I am ball insanely out on this. I understand why we did it. Granted, putting in LA, but at the same time, LA is a terrible sports market. One, like besides the Lakers and Dodgers, nobody cares about the other teams that are there. And they've got a million of them. The other thing that drives me nuts too, is you mentioned it, the fans, they missed out on an opportunity to reward the fan bases that have really been turning out. And I'm specifically mentioning Kansas city, put it right in the middle of America where both East, West, North, and South can come to. I know a lot of people are saying like, well, I don't know if Kansas City has the airport to, to handle it. They can do it, I promise you. And my other thing that for that is, say you and I want to go to the game out in LA. What are we going to do? Get an Airbnb after our plane ticket and renting a car? Like That is going to be insane pricing. So I would rather put it into middle America where it should be to me. There should have been one game in Chicago, one game in Kansas City, and then probably the last game in Dallas, right? And then that way, it is something that a lot of America could go to. And once they get there, they're in places that are affordable for us to stay. I hate the fact that they did this. 
the final being held in New York. I get that. That makes sense. Put it in the Mecca, even though it's still New Jersey, whatever. Put it into our largest area in America. I get that one. But putting all the USA games on the West Coast, to me, was the only thing that they thought about was just time zone. As long as Dallas didn't get the final, it could have been anywhere. So I'm I'm good with that. I'm not. I would like to go, but I get what I get. The larger boy. All right, Brandon. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the car. I'm gonna take the steering wheel because I had two ball in ball out segments that I literally just thought of because Ooh. something just happened here at my house before I jumped on this uh, on on today's episode. So first one, ball in or ball out on yard signs and or flags of your favorite team outside your house oh that's such a dangerous game because like when they lose and it's just flapping out there i immediately notice it um i'm i'm typically ball in for it uh just because i like to rep a flag out there i hear an echo by the way hold on my airpods died i gotta switch i thought producer shay did something no no that was me okay go ahead i'm sorry uh Signs ball out flags. I can do flags. Flags are a little bit easier in terms of that one. So I, I'm split on that one. Why? What happened to you? <laughs> I was given I was given a uh, Liverpool flag at the team store because I bought some stuff oh. and they just gave me a free flag and I was like, that's oh, how you know you bought cool. a lot of stuff. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. So <laughs> I uh, gave me something. I was going to put it in the backdrop, but then I was like, eh, like I still wanted to like you know I I, I the red kind of throws everything off. So I was like, you know what? I think I will hang it at least during the EPL season. So I hung it up. And, um, yeah, my cousin was just like, I'm going to egg your house. And like, you know, I'm already getting crap and it's only been up for like 20 minutes. So, um, I was just curious and you know, it's funny is that like, you don't really see that too often in the UK. Granted, they don't have these like lawns that we have here because everyone lives yeah. on top of one another. Um, but I noticed that wasn't really like a thing. So I was just curious, um, cause I, I was getting mixed reviews about it. Um, and again, red, it like red sticks out. So, um, I feel like, I don't know if that's showing my support or I'm just putting like a bullseye in my house for, for like things I, and stuff. To me again, uh, uh it, it's kind of like what, cause most of the time you see flags, like outside of the American flag, it's typically people's colleges that they hang out there. And you're right. Every time somebody does that and here in my area in Houston, it's all these Aggie flags all over the place. Right. And I, I immediately, anytime that they lose, I smile when I see it, when they win, I'm like, gross. So I, it, it immediately puts a target on you, but I, at least if your egg, if your house gets egg, you know who to egg back. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, yeah. True point. So, um, and then last one, uh, just because I was like craving this. So ball in or ball out on meat pies being served at soccer games. And for those that are unaware, a meat pie is essentially a pot pie. Yeah. Don't tell a uh, Brit, uh, uh, that, English yeah. in that because they'll lose their shit. Bite you. Yeah, so um, it's funny because, like, when I go to Mexico games, they have ramen noodles, like the ramen in the cup for, like, 25 cents, right? Um, And at the time, when you first see it, you're like, oh, dude, this is awesome. But then you're in Mexico, and it's hot. And it's just like, this isn't very convenient. (laughs) The meat pie was perfect. It's hot. It warms you up while you eat it. Uh, It's perfect. So And and it's delicious, right? It's everything I love. Crust, bread, meat. Can't get better than that. So – Based on our American, what we're used to as fans, are you ball in or ball out on meat pies, or are you just going to stick to the traditional tacos, nachos, hot dogs? Well, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask, because growing up overseas, especially in Asia and and the colonized British part of Asia, that was like a common thing you would have at games and stuff like that. So I grew up eating that. To me, that was stadium food until I came to America. And I was like, oh, wow, it's just hot dogs, candy everywhere. Like, this is amazing. But I'm with you. I The one thing that kind of drives me nuts, and again, it's not too many stadiums have, like, authentic flair. That's only, like, a new thing that's been kind of a phenomenon to add in local restaurants into stadiums. Otherwise, America was very much hot dog, beer, popcorn, and everything. And I like the idea of adding in different food. I wish they would bring meat pies to America and sell those at our games, especially in Texas. Like I know it would be a thousand degrees at our ball games, but dude, you could do like brisket, everything like that. I am here for it. So are you, if you have the choice and you're at Dynamo and you're, and you're at Shell Stadium, ramen noodle cup or meat pie, which are you going? Meat pie. I do. Yeah. But that the, the thing is, is like, Meat pie also brings me back to like, 
I had good friends that were from New Zealand and we would go there often just because it's gorgeous and incredible. And New Zealand's like the ultimate outdoors. Like you're just mountain biking and climbing and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, like from like riding bikes and you're just exhausted and then you would eat those meat pies there, man. Like, oh God, it was so delicious. That's why they always slap for me. Ramen makes me think of college. Uh, I wonder why they ran you out of Asia. Yeah. Sell out, man. <laughs> well, I mean, when I was just, just when you're poor and like, you just need those nights to just scarf down food. Like otherwise well, good ramen. Yeah. Get out of here. I'm down. Well, that's my that. thing. Like it takes me back. Like when you get the top shelf ramen, I just think of like childhood, you know, I'm just like, oh <laughs> man, you know, it takes me back. So I'm with you on that. That is childhood food for me. Like that's what I always laugh. Dude. Okay. Like this is random, but Every time I would, because like I made friends back in the States because growing up playing baseball over there, I had to play in baseball tournaments in the States to get colleges because what scout's going to come to Singapore. So like I would go there and you make friends from playing on the team. Every time I would go to visit, I don't know why. I'm not kidding you. Like 10 out of 10 times, I would meet up with a friend. Hey, let's go eat. Okay. And they would bring me to Asian restaurants. And I would just like, we're sitting there eating Chinese food and they're like, is this good? I'm like, yeah, this is fine. But like, dude. Do you not think I don't get enough of this? Like, I want complete opposite of all this right now. Like, but Funny. every freaking time, man, it was like clockwork. It would be to the point where, like, are you hungry? I'd be like, yeah, but not for Asian food. Like, I had to, like, say that on the front end. Half Panda Express, like where you're from. <laughs> yeah, that was, dude, so, like, is this, like, back home? I'm like, not in the slightest, but <laughs> I'm just going to lie to you and say yes. Oh man. Well, if you haven't tuned out when we started talking pod pies, we appreciate <laughs> your uh, dedication to the podcast. We'll wrap it up uh, for this week's episode. I'm Jamal. I'm Brandon. And this is the way we ball.